Good morning, LifePoint. My name's Matt Sidley. I'm one of our Life Group leaders here. And uh, I'm back today as we're in our, our Simple Virtues for Complex Times sermon series. And uh, we're going over the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and today we're going to be looking at faithfulness. Uh, but before we dive into that, I just wanted to take a quick reminder. If you haven't seen it already on like the Facebook page, that there is a survey that the church has put out uh, where we want to get your ideas, your opinions, how you're feeling about uh, the possibilities of reopening church, what your thoughts are, what your plans are. There's a lot of questions. If you haven't seen it uh, online already and filled it out and submitted it, please, we need as much information from everyone as possible. So if you haven't filled it out already, please fill it out, submit it, um, so we can have your input in that decision as we as we look to reopen and gather together again, hopefully soon. Uh, so if you want to check that out, that'd be great. So, But we're going to dive straight into it today, so let's go ahead and pray uh, as we look at God's Word today. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this day that you've made. Uh, we ask that you would be with us, that you would speak, uh, that you would speak your words to our hearts. Father, your words are so much better than mine. We just ask that you be with us here as we're uh, sitting in our homes or at work, wherever we're listening, wherever we're engaging. Father, that you would be with us today, and that we would become ever so mindful of your presence in our lives. We ask that you be with uh, not just our church, but all the churches that are meeting uh, virtually all over the all over the state, all over the country, all over the world. And Father, we just thank you that you are in control and that you are sovereign, and that uh, nothing is new to you, nothing is uh, nothing is a surprise to you. And Father, we take comfort in that, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to turn with me, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23 is where we find the fruit of the Spirit. And it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we've been going through the virtues, and if you've missed any of the sermons and you want to kind of get caught up or want to go back and look and be like, hey, I just I heard this for the first time, I want to learn more, you can check those out on our website at uh, mylpcoli.com, um, and you can listen to all those there, or our podcast, you can check it out there. But today we're looking specifically at faithfulness. Faithfulness. I was looking through my my uh, Schofield commentary as I was looking at this the definition of faithfulness in the Spirit, and he describes the fruit of the Spirit as a moral portrait of Christ. And that's one of the things that we've been looking at so far through this series. That this fruit of the Spirit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit are the are characteristics of God. They're characteristics that He uh, just exudes, and that we, through surrender to Him can exude as well and have seen uh, manifested in our lives. And that can be a difficult task. That can be a difficult thing. Hmm. Now, I want to make something very clear uh, right from the get-go. Is when we're looking at this, and you heard this list, this fruit of the spirit. When you say, you know, you look at it, and you go, "Oh man, I, I need more love in my life. I, I feel like I need more joy. I feel like I'm lacking in peace and and all these things." And you look at it, and if you find yourself looking, be like, "Man, I want more fruit. I want to see more of this fruit of the spirit in my life. I need to experience it more." Uh, like, what's wrong with me? And the one thing that I want to make very clear is that we don't need to chase the fruit. I don't want us to spend the time, waste our time chasing the fruit because the fruit is not what we're supposed to be chasing. If we want to see it more in our lives, we need to be more rooted to the source. We need to be more rooted in Christ. 
We need to be more grounded in Christ. And from that relationship is where we will see the fruit of the Spirit played out in our lives. So we need to be firmly rooted. We need to be firmly rooted. The Greek word that's used for faith here is uh, pistis. I really hope I'm pronouncing that right because it sounds like a bad word. Uh, but pistis, and it means, you know, a firm persuasion. It's a, it's a trustworthiness. And, you know, it's often used in referring to God's faithfulness in his relationship to us. If we look at, I was thinking about definitions, you know, of, of this word. I, I can't help but going to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. We have there, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. What do we hope for? What do you hope for? What do you, what, what do you hope for that you haven't seen? Let's, we're going to take a look a little bit about God's faithfulness in scripture. And I'm saying, I got to put this up here right now, that this sermon is not going to be a uh, all-inclusive picture of God's faithfulness. If we were going to do that, this sermon would be much much, 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 much longer than it's going to be today. So this is not all-inclusive of God's faithfulness. But if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55, here we have the prophet Isaiah is delivering God's word to the people in Isaiah 55 verse 3. He says, incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So God is speaking to the people, his people through Isaiah, and he tells them, I want you to lean in. I want you to get, I want you to get closer. I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me and I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to save your life and you're going to be able to experience life to the fullest. Are you listening? Are you listening? And I'm going to make an agreement with you. I'm going to make a bond. I'm going to make a covenant. And it's going to be unwavering and it's going to be steadfast. And he says, I love how he he throws there at the end, for sure love of my servant David. It's a reminder that it's for, it's for sinners. He's making an, a covenant with sinners. Because David's sin rap sheet was long. We're not going into that today. But it was long. He's making it with sinners. He's making an agreement with you. God wants a relationship with you. And he wants it today. He wants it to be growing today. And so what we're going to look at first here is that God is faithful. God is faithful to his word. As we jump down there in Isaiah 55, if you look at verse 10, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, uh, giving seed uh, to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God is faithful to his word. When God says something, he does it. It happens. If we look back at the beginning, even in creation, right? In, in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke everything into existence. And God said, and it happened. God is faithful to his word. Jesus demonstrates this same authority and faithfulness and power in his own words, where he calms the waves of the sea with his words that they listen to him. 
He's faithful to his word. God is also faithful to save. If you look at Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 12, Paul is, uh, he's quoting, uh, Joel here, Joel chapter 2 in, in, in the passage that we're about to read. But 10, starting in verse 12, it says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then, excuse me, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you came from, what your background is, how many sins you committed, what bad things you've done, you know, like where, what side of the street you live on. It doesn't matter. God is still God. God is who He is. He is the Lord of all. He's the one that is the bestower of all riches. And it, it says here, did you catch it? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Save me as we cry out. He is faithful to save. He says he will do it. Amen. He's faithful to save, but I'm also reminded in Scripture that it says that he's faithful to judge. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to 2 Thessalonians in chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 3. And uh, we got a pretty big chunk here, so here we go. It says, We ought always to give thanks. This is Paul writing. To give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in all the afflictions that you are enduring. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted, as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed, to this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's describing the, the, the life of the church that he's seeing right now, and he's talking about their faith is growing abundantly. It's, it's bursting at the seams, and that their love for one another is increasing. It's growing, and that this is, this is evidence of life by the Spirit in the church, that these things are growing, and that they've been steadfast, they've been faithful through persecution, through suffering. It's a reminder, he's telling me that God's judgment will come. It might not come in your timing. But it will come. Those that don't know him, 
when that time comes, we'll face eternal destruction. And that they'll be away from God's glory and might and power. For those of you that are believers, it's, this is a good reminder that, that God will judge. And that He is the judge. I find myself oftentimes that I like to take the seat of judge. I don't know if anybody else has done this or, well, I know that some of you have done this. That's why I'm saying it. Because I've done it too. Where I appoint myself judge. Um, I think, I, I don't know if I've said it in a sermon before. Or I've definitely said it to, in life group, but I go, it's a good thing that I'm not the judge. I'm not the one that's in charge of who gets into heaven. Because there's some people that I just don't like that drive me nuts. That I just be like, oh, no, not that person. In my sinful nature, I'd be like, you know, I'm done with them. But God is the judge that's his seat. He's the one that's watching. And one day it will come. And it will come in his timing, not ours. His timing and not ours. And I have to ask myself sometimes, does my, does my personal feelings about that match what God says? Because Peter tells us in his letter that it's God's desire that all are saved. He's already said in his word that all that call upon the name of the Lord are saved, and it's his desire that he wants everyone. Do I have that same desire for people that I want to see everyone come to know the Lord? The people that I like, the people that I don't like, the people that don't like me? Everyone. For those of you that don't yet know God, this is coming. There'll come a day when that door is closed. Because right now, as I was, I was listening to a sermon um, by uh, the Rock Church online that I found. Because I was looking, I, I like to listen to kind of other sermons on similar topics to kind of, you know, hear other people talking about it. And one of the stories that he was talking about, he was talking about Noah, and Noah and the Ark. If you're not familiar with the story, Noah and the Ark, animals two by two, right? That we live in an era right now of God's grace, and just like right now, that Ark, like that door is open, and. One day God's going to call his people. He's going to, he, he's the one that sets the time. He's the one that knows everything. One day he's going to tell his people it's time to get into the ark and he's going to shut the door. We live in that era right now where God's, the door to God's grace is wide open and we're, you were invited in and our God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and he wants you to come in. He wants to have relationship with you. And one day that door will be closed. And those that don't know God will face eternal destruction. It's decision time now. It's decision time now. As we live in that era of God's grace, we need to cry out to God. I often have this thought, I don't know if, if anyone else is in the same boat, where when I think about Jesus' life, you know, when he, he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins, and then he, he rose from the dead, and, and he was, you know, hanging out with his disciples for a while, and then he just leaves. And I always found myself wondering this question, like, you know, wouldn't it have been better, Jesus, if you had just hung around a little bit longer? And if we look in our Bibles in John chapter 16, starting in verse 7, it says this, it says, Nevertheless, this is Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and he will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. We live in the age of the Spirit. Life by the Spirit. Jesus says, it's better for me to leave, because when I leave, I'm going to send to you the Spirit. I'm going to send to you the Counselor. I'm going to send to you the Helper. They can, they can reside in your life. Because Jesus, in his earthly ministry, he's only in one spot, really, at one time. But the Holy Spirit can be everywhere, in everyone's life. And it's better for me to leave that I can send the counselor to you. And, and he's, the Holy Spirit has a job. He, he, what he's doing. He's convicting the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. And sin, as, as it talked about there, because people don't know God. The Holy Spirit is at work convicting people so that hopefully they turn and repent and come to know God. And then because of righteousness, because Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. We're going to be going into a place where we hang out with God the Father someday, and that we can become more righteous in our relationship with Him. Because that's where Jesus has gone. We're following that boat and and convicting of judgment. And I love how he says that the ruler of this world, Satan, has already been judged, is judged. It's a done deal. God is going to judge this world. I've often found here as I've been looking at this that faith and faithfulness as it's used is deeply rooted in the trustworthiness of God. Will you trust what God says? Will you act on it? Will you live your life according to it? Will you let it permeate all your decision making in in every aspect of your life? Do we know what God says? That's an important one. If we turn back to Hebrews chapter 11, it's often referred to, if you've been around church for a while, you might have heard it. People refer to it as the Faith Hall of Fame. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, as we looked at verse 1 already. We're going to look a little bit more at people that acted out on their faith. It says now, and faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, and that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he uh, uh, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he, uh, when, when was called to go to a place that he, uh, was to receive an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. <laughs> not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise 
as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from, from one man, and him as good as dead, was born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. So here we have it, by faith, by faith, by faith. All these stories, there's more we could go on that they go into detail, but we're not going to look at all of them today. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, we see that the universe, the universe was created. By faith, we see that Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice. And this is, this is faithfulness that's played out in their lives. Is this faithfulness that we see played out in ours? Do we offer an acceptable sacrifice to God? And when it says a more acceptable, it's not that it was a comparing the gifts between him and his brother per se. It was a heart check. Are we offering acceptable sacrifices to God? Are we offering our tithes to God? Maybe you've taken this, the whole pandemic thing as an opportunity to take a break from tithing to God. God knows. He knows. Are we offering an acceptable sacrifice? And if you're like me, like, you know, maybe you've been around God's word for a while where I go, well, oh, I remember the scripture where God says he desires mercy, not sacrifice. Well, are you offering us an acceptable sacrifice of God's mercy and his steadfast love? Are we offering acceptable sacrifices through faith? If we look in verse 5, Enoch, he didn't have to taste death. Through the faithfulness that we have, we're not going to get to have to taste death. And I'm not talking about physical death. You know, it's possible that God could save us from that, right? But we don't have to taste spiritual death. We don't have to taste it. And that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our Creator, it's impossible to please Him without faith. We look at Noah's story that in his reverent fear, in this holy respect, because oftentimes you see scripture like, oh, this fear of the Lord. Out of this this reverent fear, this holy respect for God, he obeyed him. He built this big ark. Are we being obedient to God? Are we people that are obedient to God? Is there something right now that God has been knocking on the door of your heart saying, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. This is good for you. And we're fighting it. We're being disobedient. We're being rebellious. And we're ignoring it. And then like Abraham, he obeyed God. He went on a journey to a land that he did not know. Did not know where he was going. Do we have faith like this? Uh, I couldn't, I can't help but think of the Willis family and the water for Guatemala, uh, that, that, that they started that our church is supporting and we're on mission with them doing it. You know, selling their home and moving down to Guatemala to bring people water and, and share the good news of Jesus Christ with them and taking care of that such an important need of being able to have fresh, clean drinking water. Are we people that have faith like that? And then I love in here in verse 11 how it talks about Sarah's faith that through her faith in what God had promised that she would bear a child, even in her old age, she believed it. And she conceived well past childbearing years. I, I think it's interesting too to, 
to highlight Sarah's faith. Just if, if we looked at the story of Abraham and Sarah and the faithfulness that she had to stick by her husband <laughs> through all the decisions and crazy things that he did, uh, that she was faithful to stay with him as well. And we go over this, and I don't want this to be a list of things that like we look at, and this is not like a comparison list where you're looking at it as a checklist and go like, oh, I got this, I got this, oh, I don't have that, or I have this more than so-and-so or more than so-and-so. That's that's not what it is. This isn't a list like you need to get up and you know shape up or ship out type thing. No, that's not what this is. This list is people that trusted God's words, that heard God's words, that knew God's words, and they acted According, accordingly, they acted accordingly. They trusted God and they lived faithful lives to what God said. Faithfulness is our assurance of our faith. These things played out in our lives is what, how we know we know what we believe. We have evidence of the Spirit in our lives. And we'll experience these things. There'll be seasons in life where you look at it, you're like, man, uh, the, you know, the seasons in life, things go up and down where sometimes you'll just feel the overwhelming presence of God's love and joy in your life. And there's going to be some seasons where it just feels like there's none. There's going to be seasons that we go through. There's going to be seasons. And those things are going to go up, be up and down. There's going to be times where we get to enjoy and bask in those things. There's going to be times in the, in the dark spots where we have to remember what God has said. We have to remember that He is faithful. That He is faithful even when our experience and our, our, our circumstances are changing. But if you're in that boat when you're looking at this, as I said earlier, if, if I feel like I need more of this fruit in my life, I need more of this, uh, this fruit of the Spirit, like I want it. I need it desperately. I need peace and patience right now. We need to be more rooted. We need to be more rooted. We need to be more rooted in God's Word. We need to be reading it. We need to be listening to it. We need to be singing it. You know, any way that we can get it into our ears, into our minds, into our heads. We need to be people that are in prayer, that are in conversation with God. In conversation with our Creator. How do you get to know anyone? You talk to them. Talk to God. We need to talk to God. And we need to be plugged into our local church. We need to be plugged into our local church. And right now, that's that's difficult, right? That's difficult. And that's where I go right now, you know, you need to be connected as much as you can on social media. I don't know about you guys, like, I, you know, I have Facebook and all those accounts and all that social media stuff, and but I very much prefer one-on-one interactions with people. You know, and that's where, you know, I look at Facebook and some of that stuff where I go, I feel like, I feel like it creates false sense of relationships with people where I've got 600 followers and friends, but I don't really know you because I haven't sat down and talked with you. But right now, social media is like the primary venue we have. And so I'd encourage you to get out there and socialize as much as you can with the people that you have. And maybe that's one of the things where, I don't know about you, like our life group, we do Zoom calls every once in a while still just to hang out and talk and get to see how people are doing and what's going on. And if that sounds good to you, reach out to the church and say, hey, I am interested in joining a life group. Can I join? Are there life groups that are still meeting virtually? Because I'm in need of interacting with other people because my family is driving me nuts or I'm alone at home and there's no one else to interact with. Maybe this would be an opportunity for you to start a life group where you say, hey, I got a Zoom account. I pay the monthly fees. We can meet more than 40 minutes. Let's do it. I want to start one. And we can Zoom call up the wazoo and hang out with people. I want to end with this, and this is where 
you know, I just had this picture that was standing out in my mind this all, all this last week. As I was looking at God's faithfulness, thinking about God's faithfulness and what He, what He has done for us in this time that we're in, in this time that we have in the experience, I just pictured a tree that's growing and its branches are growing and it's, it's firmly rooted next to nice river and the green plains and it's firmly rooted and there's all this fruit. There's all this fruit that's hanging from the tree. And there's going to come a time, hopefully sooner rather than later, where we're going to get to open up again. We're going to get to experience meeting together again. And as David says in Psalm 34, he says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. There's going to be a season here where eventually where we get to come out of our homes, our neighbors get to come out of their homes. And I feel like this is the time for us to be prepared, to be rooted that we have this fruit that's, that is exhibited in our lives, this fruit of the Spirit from our connectedness, that they're going to come and they're going to want to pluck some of that fruit and taste and see that the Lord is good. And they're going to say, they're going to, they need it, our community, our neighbors, our world needs it so much, they need God's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. They need it. They're craving it. And our neighbors are going to come out. And will we be a church? Will we be a tree that's planted, that has this fruit abundantly, that will have it ready, it will be there and waiting as we welcome our community, as they come out of their homes, and as we get to go, you know, doing activities and things to get to meet them as we can. And it's our hope and our prayer that we would be a church like that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. So often, you know, in our, in our relationship, we're the ones that aren't faithful. Father, we thank you that you, you give us this, that you help us this, with this. We ask that you help us with this this week to be faithful. Faithful to, uh, faithful to our word, the things that we say, holding ourselves accountable to the words of our mouth. Father, we, we be faithful to our relationship with you and time in the Word with you, and getting to know you, and prayer with you, and uh, meeting with the saints over Zoom calls, or text messages, or phone calls. Father, help us to be faithful in that way. And Father, I just ask that you would just continue to give us uh, peace, and patience, and mercy uh, for our family members as we're still in our homes, and that, you know, just with all the home situations and the social situations that we're facing, be with us, walk with us. Let us be ever knowing of your presence in our lives. And Father, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for hanging out, church. I hope you guys have a good week. We look forward to seeing you guys next week online, and we long for the day that's coming hopefully soon where we get to meet together. Love you guys.